Congratulations to the Conleys. Mike goes back to Columbus, is not with the team, as he is celebrating happy mom, happy son, another child to his growing family. What are the basketball implications? We'll get to it now here on Round Ball Roundup on UtahJazz.com. I'm J.P. Chunga. Clip show ahead for you. You'll hear from Stephanie Reddy and George Sedano, all of their best cuts on the Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets. Denver. We discussed it with them because I anticipated this type of series, one between these two Rocky Mountain rivals, and what they said is very prescient today. Those voices you'll hear in just a moment. As we get into this series, Mike, congratulations. This is bigger than basketball. Aaron Falk at UtahJazz.com, he did a recap of what the guys said about Mike leaving Orlando. Joe Ingles, what a voice to have out in front of this. So right, so correct. Everybody in the organization backs him 100%. And this is bigger than basketball, being a father. Our whole organization and team and, and players and coaching staff and everyone that's here um, completely supports what his decision, obviously, to, to go and be with his, his wife and, and new baby and um, family, I guess. Um, from our point of view, we, we 100% su- support him going to see his his family uh, and be with his family. So um, that's kind of first and foremost. But, yeah, obviously, on the flip side of that, he, he's a big part of our team. So um, whenever Mary and, and Mike feel comfortable that, that – um, it's the right time for, for him to come back. We'll, we'll obviously bring him in with open arms. Um, but until then, it's um, it's one of those things. It's, it's much bigger than basketball. Him being there with um, his family and Mary is, is priority number one right now. And like I said, we 100% support that. And like I said, when, when he's ready to come back, we'll, we'll obviously um, have him back uh, with open arms. Jordan backing him 100%. You know, Mike is definitely a loss for us right now for these, you know, whatever time being it is that he's gone. You know, next man up, that's it. Nothing, you can't think about nothing else. We'll still take it day to day. Come here, you know, we put the effort out. You know, we're we going to get a good result. Shoot, congrats to Mike. You know, being a father is, you know, more important than all this. And, uh, you know, I'm happy for him and uh, happy he's getting to experience this. Uh, another one, and it's a blessing. Now, the basketball implications of it. He has to register negative tests while he's outside the bubble. And then when he comes back in, he has a mandatory four-day quarantine where he also has to register negative tests. Then he'll be allowed to play. And according to sources to ESPN, he's expecting to come back in the playoffs at some point. Since it happened yesterday, at the bare minimum, he's going to miss the first two games of this series Today at 11.30 Mountain Time, and then Wednesday at 2 o'clock Mountain Time. Game 3 is Friday, and then 4 on Sunday. But those Jazz starters, it looked good. Plus 30 in their minutes out there during the bubble. And now with Mike out, it shifts all the playmaking, all of the facilitating duties to Donovan Mitchell. Coach Quinn Snyder likely going to go with a starting lineup that inserts Jordan Clarkson in the group that was going in the bubble. And that team has played 45 possessions together. There's a reason also why you saw those young guys playing. For that time when you knew you needed somebody else to fill in minutes. Just take the Saturday matchup between Denver and Utah. 
Mike played 40-odd minutes in that game. How are you going to divide that amongst the players that you already have? It means more for Jordan Clarkson, more for the young guys that are expected to contribute, a Rajon Tucker, a Mieoni. Mie and Rajon played 19 and 13 minutes respectively. They may be called upon in these first two games with Mike out. Rajon, very dependable, makes the right decision. Mie offers something from beyond the arc. Can shoot it has the confidence to do that. Mike Malone's reaction when he found out the Conley news is exactly what's going to happen. He said that means more Donovan Mitchell. Donovan needs to respond after last year's postseason experience. He knows it. He he carried around the box score. He felt the weight of it as he was with Team USA. He is going to have to be the number one guy on the marquee. Beyond the Rudy against Jokic battle, which everybody has their eye on, Donovan need to play make on offense. That 21 points, three assists that he had last playoffs on 32% shooting and 26 from behind the three-point line, they'll get a similar result if it's those numbers that he's bringing this year. But year three, how much of his step is he going to taste? The answers will be wonderful to see. We'll see what he's made of. We will get them in this series. Just listen to our conversation that we had with David Locke last time out on Round Ball Roundup. He does our huge mega preview of Utah against Denver. And he identified, of course Donovan knows that, and we're going to see more Donovan out of this first couple games without Mike. Now to the clips. First, George Sedano. He has Nuggets in six, I believe, on ESPN.com. You can see all those picks and who everybody has there. And then Stephanie Reddy, as a majority of our conversation, was all about the Nuggets. We'll have something for you Friday after games one and two. Coverage continues. Make sure to check out utahjazz.com. As always, five stars, nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. See you on Friday. When we talk about the contenders, are we overlooking Denver in that group as someone that could jump up and and challenge the LA teams? So I don't view them in the same class just yet. I think, though, we're starting to see it now. I have been a big proponent of Michael Porter Jr., okay, whether it's on my radio show, whether it's on the jump, whether it's anywhere we've been, right? Even when I've done their games, I've done a lot of Michael Porter Jr. campaigning Uh, in regards to how good he is. Because offensively, he's incredible. And we've seen the last two games going for over 30 and double-digit rebounds. This guy scores with ease, okay, and rebounds with ease. Look, is he good on defense? No, okay? And I know if you're Michael Malone that that's a big part of it, particularly with young players. I know that these veteran coaches, they struggle with that stuff. But right now, he's had no choice because they've been missing guys. And you're starting to see him flourish in those situations with more minutes. And I just think that every team in the NBA is flawed to some extent, right? Could you hide him on defense? I think so. I think it's possible because I think the risk is worth the reward because of what he's capable of doing on the offensive end uh, and what what he does from a rebounding perspective. So to me, Denver will become elite and a true championship contender when Michael Porter Jr. can become that number one scoring option. We all know Nikola Jokic is the best player on the team, but they need a guy on the wing. And good Lord, he's 6'10", for God's sake, right? 
I mean, he's got the body. He's built like an Adonis and, again, does it with ease. If he can be that guy, and I don't know if he's capable of doing that right now, uh, even though we've seen him progress, certainly. I think that they are certainly coming and will certainly be a force to reckon with for a long time if that's the case because it slots guys in to the proper role. It makes Jokic the best overall player and clearly the best facilitator on the team and, and a guy that really can do everything. Porter into the number one scoring role, right? And Jamal Murray as kind of maybe that clutch time guy and, and kind of that third option on the team. And they'll always be good on defense with Malone as their head coach. Good enough, I think, that they will be able to contend for a long time. So um, I'm not there just yet, but I have been very high on Denver for a long time. That was unbelievable. I was so lucky to have that game. Um, and it was funny too, because you know, you have to do that post game walk off and it's with the winner. Yeah. Well, obviously we had no idea who the winner was going to be. So I'm texting with both sides furiously, you know, trying to arrange who I'm going to get and it's changing and it's, you know, now I want whoever hits the game winner, whoever that person is, you know, it's just insane in the moment. Um, but that was good basketball. There were so many storylines in that game. Um, you know, obviously these two teams both think that they're contending, right? They're like, okay, we're here in the West. We're one of the better teams. As soon as we get our acts together, we are going to be ready to try and make this run into the playoffs. Well, now this week and next week or last week are the opportunities that they're trying to fine tune their machines. You know, Denver got Jamal Murray back that night. He had not played. He told me after the game, he had not played five on five except for one time prior to that game. Wow. You can see the fatigue setting in, right? Because it's double overtime. People haven't been playing their regular minutes. It was just so exciting. That game was something else. And I, I'm looking very much forward to the playoffs because I have had that playoff feeling during a lot of these seeding games. What was the atmosphere like in the arena because as we're watching we get the crowd noise that's piped in and i'm sure it's a little heightened for the viewing audience rather mm -hmm. than who's watching it looks so competitive everybody as you said was dripping sweat everybody was tired what was that atmosphere as donovan scores five in seven seconds <laughs> you have uh, the joker coming back the other way tying the oh. game up sending it to overtime what was that atmosphere it was amazing. And I'll tell you what, we I personally, I didn't miss the crowd noise at all. And, and that's selfishly, too, because I, I need to be able to hear people talking to me in my ear. Definitely. But, but it was like the intensity level was so high. And of course, there's not hundreds of people in the arena, but there are people there. You know, there's media members, there's NBA staff members, there's um, you know, production team members, we're all in the arena and everybody's eyes are like popping out of their heads and you're hearing gasps and we're all looking at each other with these looks like, did that just happen? You know, because you just can't believe that just happened. Donovan Mitchell, we all knew that he was a really good player, but that performance was extremely impressive. I mean, the out-of-bounds play where he hits basically a turnaround jump shot for three with a hand in his face, who does that? Like, and, and no sweat, I'm going to do that same thing again. Or, and I'm going to break down the entire defense and get a layup in this moment of a game-winning situation. You know, like, he impressed me so much. I was, I, it was thrilling to witness the back and forth because that's what makes it feel like a playoff game. 
because it is attack mode every single possession and you know that this one bucket could be the end and you could win the game and they cared you know it wasn't a regular season game where eh, you know you win some you lose some it looked like everything was on the line that night well and Donovan, even in that second overtime, hit one right up against the bench of the Jazz's side that was insane out of bounds just to keep keep the Jazz coming back. What have you made of his first three years in the league? He has been um, overly impressive. You know, his first year, we all knew, great, you know, good athlete, good guy, seems like he's a hard worker he probably has a promising career. You know, that's what you say after the first year. Um, And then you see that explosion happen and you're not quite sure if it's a fluke, but then it just keeps happening, you know, (laughs) as the season's going on and you're like, okay, this is pretty consistent. Um, And then you see how he is unselfish. You know, he's a, he's a willing passer. He's not just an able passer. Cause I think those are two very different things, right? Some people just are not good passers. Some people are terrific passers, but maybe they don't want to do it very often. It's only out of necessity when they cannot get a shot off. And then you have a willing passer who is someone who understands the best way to play the game and they want to get the best shot for their team, not necessarily just the best shot for themselves. And that's when you start to enter into a different level of stardom. And that's what you guys have with Donovan Mitchell. When I hear so much about Donovan's decision-making, Donovan's decision-making, he came on basketball late. He isn't as much as a lifer. He, his dad was in baseball. He lo- that was his first right. love. He, he loved right. baseball before he got into basketball, and injury forced him into the sport. Uh, his decision-making, it's, it's just at an undergrad level right now. And as the seasons go by, that's when he'll he'll get his doctorate. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a really good point. Um, and scary proposition for the opponents, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, because you, you do have to factor that in. He is still growing in that capacity. Um, and that's quite frightful. Um, but great for us. You know, if you're a fan of this game and, and you want to see it played the right way, then that's really exciting news. Um, I don't even know how it's possible to do what he's done, honestly. You know, like you hear about late bloomers and people who started the game late, but to hear his story and how it was almost happenstance, you know what I mean? Like how he ended up with his focus being on this sport of all the sports. It's very interesting to me. And I think it says a lot about the type of person that he is and his mental approach to the things that he does, because you have to be fully committed if you're going to develop at that high of a rate. Um, and you have to be open-minded also and coachable, you know, and I think that that's a, a trap that a lot of young players fall into where they've been told how good they are for a lot of years that they now are not open to hearing how they can get even better. And I don't think you guys are going to have that problem with him. The other big star for the jazz, Rudy Gobert, he went up against the Nuggets perennial he'll be an MVP candidate in Nikola Jokic uh, what'd you make of that of that battle between those two bigs almost a, a harken back to a different time in the NBA when, it, <laughs> when it's about the bigs that's so true and that's what we were thinking too that first quarter we were like wow like we actually have some big bodies that could kind of be going at it I mean they're both you know they're not the beef brothers by any means 
Um, but you know, when you're in the paint and you're that close to the rim, there's going to be some battling going on. So we were actually looking forward to seeing that. Um, and I thought it was interesting too, that Jokic really got off to a slow start in that first quarter. And, and I was very interested to know if it was because of Gobert's presence, you know, because of the block shot and the changed shots and the physicality close to the rim, did that impact Jokic's ability to see everything, you know, because he, again, is a willing passer, but a lot of that is predicated on his ability to get his own shot at any time. And that opens up things for other people. So I thought that was very interesting to watch. Gobert is, is impressive because he's committed fully to the defensive side of the basketball. And that ends up getting him some good offensive looks because, you know, I consider rebounding defense, whether you're on offense or defense, getting the rebound is defensive minded to me. And they need him with how small they have to go without Boyan Bogdanovich. They need yeah. him to, to grab those rebounds for sure. Michael Porter Jr. has been a revelation for the Nuggets. Uh, what has turned on for him, for Mike Malone to, to have so much confidence in, in that young man? I think that's the word, confidence. You know, I think, you know, we lose sight of these athletes because we, we kind of see them as almost superhuman because of what their abilities are. They have these superhuman athletic capabilities. Um, but the reality is they are human. And so just like the rest of us in our day-to-day -day jobs, your confidence can, can wane sometimes, right? And that will then in turn affect your ability to do your job to the best of your ability. So I think reps and confidence factor into the level that you achieve, the success level you achieve. And that's across all industries. So the same is true in basketball. I think that his ability to get more reps and in doing that, when he sees the ball go through the hoop more and more, just, you know, just his own workouts, not necessarily in a game, but just in the gym, when you're getting shots up and you're working on, on your game, that inherently gives you more confidence because you've done this so many times. The repetition breeds the confidence. And I think that's what we're seeing the result of. I think his hard work is paying off and then it becomes cyclical because he's been able to produce. Now his teammates are seeing that he has the ability to do X, Y, and Z. So they in turn have more confidence in him and the coaching staff as well. So I think it just all goes hand in hand. It's, it's a good thing to see though. Would you sign up for seven games of Jazz Nuggets? What in a heartbeat? 